Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 310, and we're recording this live at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time on July the 13th, Friday the 13th. What could go wrong? That's what I say to myself. But there we go. We're troopers. <laughs> we'll fight through it. Um, we've got a great special guest. We've got Matt Mendeiras from the from the Matt Report joining us. So it should be a lively discussion, to say the least. I'm going to let... Um, the panel in quickly introduce themselves. I'm going to start with Matt. Would you quickly like to introduce yourself to the audience and viewers, Matt? Sure. Uh, MattReport.com is a podcast I do about WordPress, and I work for a great hosting company called Pagely.com. Yes, you do. Um, Sally, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Certainly. My name is Sally Getch. My business is WP Fangirl, and my East Bay WordPress meetup is sponsored by Pagely, among others. Um, and today is my 51st birthday, and after the last couple of days, I don't feel a day over 102. <laughs> Congratulations. Happy, Happy birthday. Um, Adam, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Sure thing. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Adam. I have a website, WPCrafter.com, where I make WordPress tutorial videos. For non-techies. That's great. And Morton, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Morton. I do, uh, I make educational materials for LinkedIn Learning, and I have opinions about things. That's great. That's why you're here. And John, um, would you quickly like to introduce yourself? Sure thing. My name's John Locke. I do SEO for manufacturing <coughs> and industrial firms. Sounds great to me. Right, let's go straight into it. Um, the first story. Um, uh, <coughs> blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, quick introduction to... <laughs> I like how prepared you are. <laughs> no, it was. I've written them all out. I just had a moment. I just had a brain fart. Um, a quick introduction to Get Gutenberg, the new WordPress blog editor. So you did this, Walton, did you? So I'm not going to ask you straight away. What I'm going to say... Did, John, you had a quick. Did you have time to have a quick look at uh, his video? Oh, I did. Yeah, it's and very interesting. What do I think? I, I think it's still early days. Um, Gutenberg, uh, in the way that it appears to be right now, is somewhat similar to Medium, but I think it's it's a, a good start. Uh, the biggest thing that people are going to notice if they install this is, or when this rolls into core and unexpectedly shows up at your doorstep, that. Uh, the editing experience, uh, instead of having just a big blob of text, maybe you take like Word document and paste it in there. Each paragraph you can individually control and make into different things like a subheading or a block quote and control at a granular level the things like the, the font size or the uh, background color or color. So I, I think that'll give people more flexibility than they're used to seeing. And I am uh, want to see where future iterations of Gutenberg go. What did you think, Adam? I think, I think Morton's a very smart man, and he's the person to listen to in these early days. And he's got opinions about things. And his opinions actually 
I like his opinions. He's a, a, a polarizing person, which we'll tie into a later article maybe, but uh, um, I'm not ready for Gutenberg at all. Uh, I do think that uh, there's some um, interesting things that are just now starting to happen. So you had this come out with Morton, you know, and he's kind of leading the charge there. And then you had what atomic blocks is a new WordPress theme that is specifically for Gutenberg. So you got a lot of things that are now starting to happen. It is like early, early days though. What did you think, Sally? I did not get a chance to watch this video because I saw the notice right before leaving the house Wednesday. Uh, but I have been uh, keeping up with a lot yeah. of Gutenberg stuff and I am I am getting very excited. I have seen enough of Morton stuff to know that if he made a video, it's good and it's worth watching. So I'll be seeing it, it later. And what did you think, Matt? I'm going to echo the panel. Uh, I think that um, I definitely appreciate Morton's opinions on on everything. He, he touches in the WordPress space. Um, I actually, contrary to popular belief, I don't mind Gutenberg. Uh, I just don't know if it's the right uh, feature set for exactly right now, but for the future, yes. Yeah, I totally, uh, I think your position has <laughs> been quite clear, really. I think it's been quite fair, actually, Matt. Um, yeah, Morton, um, I thought you did a fantastic job for, you know, as a kind of introductory video. I thought it was superb. What, why did you decide to release it now and what was the faults behind it? Uh, it's a ploy. <laughs> yeah, Morton. Uh, it, it's um, the main reason was because we need the people who actually word, use WordPress to be aware of what is happening with WordPress. And so far, we've done nothing to make them aware of it. Um, the platform I have spans very far outside of the WordPress sphere. Um, and that's why I decided to put this video together. I did a lot of work internally in the company to allow me to make a video for LinkedIn Learning and put it on YouTube on my own channel and put it on Twitter and put it on LinkedIn and all these other places. Um, but the idea was simply that this is going to impact people who use WordPress. And those people need to be aware of what's happening. They need to understand that this isn't something that they can wait to do. This is something they need to check out right now. Um, and it was also uh, to start getting the conversation, literally moving the conversation beyond just everyone is going to like this. So the video has been shared uh, a bunch of places like on Twitter and everything. Um, but it also, let's see, hold on. Let me get my stats here. Because uh, I posted it on LinkedIn mm -hmm. um, and it's been viewed 12,000 times um, on LinkedIn, uh, which is, and the majority of people who viewed it on LinkedIn are not the WordPress crowd. And the main feedback I'm getting is, when did this start? <laughs> yeah. What, why did I not know about this? Which is exactly the point, right? That the, we've been working with this stuff in vacuum for a very long time. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen once the um, once the Try Gutenberg Nag comes out uh, with what is it they're saying now four four point nine point eight. Um, I wonder when four point nine point eight is going to come out because there are a lot of outstanding issues with Gutenberg that need to be addressed before they can put up the Nag. Otherwise, uh, uh, and they're going to be very annoyed. And and they were saying you know end of July for. Yeah, 
I would say if they can't resolve the accessibility issues that are currently flagged as high priority, they can't put up the nag. Because there are things like you can't currently use the date picker with a keyboard. <laughs> you know, minor things like that, <laughs> which are uh, fundamentally wrong in web pl platform perspective. So anyway, it was a ploy to get people outside the WordPress community to pay attention. So it needs to be done, I think. Right. Let's go on to the next story. Um, our guest panelist, Matt Medeiros, you know, you, you've been on fire, Matt. Um, I've really enjoyed your latest round of videos. You, if you're really interested in WordPress, you should go to Matt's um, YouTube channel and subscribe to it. It's just um, fantastic content. Like I say, I, I just think you've been on fire. So your latest video is also, you know, I really thought you touched some great points. Do you, would you mind giving the listeners and viewers a quick synopsis of the, some of the key points you were trying to make in that video, mate? Uh, yeah, so uh, WordPress is changing. It's just the title of the video. Uh, just sort of some of the thoughts, a culmination of thoughts and my own thoughts and thoughts from others and interactions from other people of just how things or how, I, at least from the lens that I'm using, uh, of how the, the WordPress economy, both service side and product side, uh, is really changing. You know, again, like at the top of the show, at the top of the video, I said that this is something that started at least from my perspective about a year and a half ago uh, within my own agency and, and call other colleagues and other agencies around the, around the space, sort of just feeling a little bit of a crunch and whether or not that's the U.S. politics landscape or just, you know, it, it is what it is with WordPress. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. I'm not a, an economist at that level, uh, but certainly some kind of crunch was happening. And certainly uh, just this gut feeling for me internally that people weren't as excited about this software. And I don't know, or I, I do know that some of it is, it has to do with Gutenberg, the introduction of Gutenberg. There will always be, you know, pros and cons and people who are against it and, and, and for it. I totally get that. But there was just this feeling of like, you know, like when a wave crashes on the shore and it sort of starts to retract back into the ocean. That's what I felt like. There wasn't that excitement anymore. And uh, I just decided to turn on the camera and, and, and just chat about it. Um, and some people share the opinions, especially in the comments. Uh, but more, I guess, uh, not surprising, but a lot of people just DM me private, privately and they, and they talk about, you know, hey, I would love to say these same things. And it's like, why don't you? Why don't yeah, you say Why don't you? What, what do you think that's uh, about, actually, Matt? I th well, a lot of people, number one, a lot of people just don't do it. Uh, you know, they're not one to talk publicly about their, their thoughts and feelings. Some of them that just have business ties to this. So they are afraid to step on those eggshells. Um, but, I mean, there are people who have privately messaged me you know, just flipping the table on their whole business model now um, because of the upcoming Gutenberg, introduction to Gutenberg. But that's just a compound effect of maybe where WordPress has been going these last two years anyway. Um, whether or not people use Gutenberg as an excuse to say, I'm done with WordPress, I, I don't know. Uh, but certainly people have just expressed that, you know, well, a decline in client services work, a decline in product sales. Um, for some, not everybody. Um, but I think that the big winners you see out there have either shifted to a SaaS model or have plateaued. Plateaued isn't a bad thing. I think a lot of people who are just still plateaued are making some of them millions of dollars uh, in plugin and theme sales. But 
certainly not that same hockey stick growth that that we've witnessed up until this point, which again could just be normal market behavior. We're in this sort of maybe this little plateau, and that's what it is. Um, and I think at least the opinions that I expressed in that video is this is where we will learn what the next step is for innovation for privately owned businesses, third-party plugins and themes, like this whole Gutenberg thing and introduction. Um, of course, I cap that all off with my typical thing of like, this is Jetpack plus Gutenberg play is yeah. going to be a huge monetization push for automatic, yeah. um, you know, and uh, I, I can't help but just hook on to the, 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 the sort of pull quote I took from Matt's, uh, Matt Mullenweg's recent quote in, I think, TechCrunch or New York Post. I forget which the one that the acquisition of the membership platform that they bought, uh, where he says they're looking to really take automatic, or excuse me, they're really looking to take WordPress.com from hundreds of millions to the billions of dollars. And I really just have to sit back and say, well, the only way you're really going to get there is going to be just more monetization through Jetpack. I mean, not the only way, but a huge chunk of it will be pushing through monetization. So, and I think Gutenberg will be one of those things that unlocks the door where you're looking and all of a sudden you see a premium block and they're like, hey, you want to import your WooCommerce product super easy in this block, buy this for, you know, whatever, 10 bucks, or you must have a Jetpack Pro account to unlock these blocks. Uh, Not that I fault them for any of this. I think it's what a lot of people do. It's a typical monetization SaaS play. Um, I just think it's something that we haven't experienced yet. And it's just going to be one of those things that makes it super easy for an end user to be like, oh, I can drag this contact form in here because I have Jetpack Pro. Uh, and I don't need to go looking for all of these other plugins. Uh, of course, this is all just my own guesswork. But uh, I just don't see how you go from hundreds of millions to billions. Or if you can even have that thought process to not look at this as such a huge area to monetize. And I think that's what it'll, it'll unlock for, for automatic and Matt. Um, but also hopefully there's some opportunity in there for the rest of us to find something that we can unlock ourselves and not just feel like the world is collapsing on us. <laughs> that's great. What, what do you think, Adam? I think WordPress is still WordPress and uh, Gutenberg isn't really going to change WordPress. You log into WordPress and it's like, holy cow, there's all these menu items, user accounts, uh, settings. There's like six or seven settings panels. There's all these new terminology and all this kind of stuff. So WordPress is always going to, until they change what happens when you click login, people are always going to have that same feeling when you log into WordPress, like, holy cow, there's easier ways to potentially do this someplace else. Um, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, So uh, I recently purchased a product. Probably some of you guys have already heard about this product. It's called Thrive Cart. And what that is, is it's a really simple hosted way of selling a product and then having an upsell and even kind of creating a mini funnel. And I was astonished and how easy it was to add a product and to get a, a shopping cart to integrate it with PayPal. It was like so easy. And it just reminded me how, you know, a SaaS platforms, some of them are doing a fantastic job of just making it dead simple, easy to get something done. But you log into WordPress and it's like WooCommerce, really? There's like, what, seven or eight settings panels. There's a million settings. It's, you know, it's just a lot more to it. And it's, you're immediately like, forget this. So WordPress is always going to still be WordPress. But, you know, 
as far as markets change, actually everything changes. Our economies change. Uh, uh, everything just naturally changes. Change is actually a very natural thing. And so things also evolve. And also I think what I have seen, yes, change, but what I, I see is WordPress from a, a vendor standpoint, someone that's actually selling products in, in the WordPress ecosystem, it's a highly competitive cutthroat group of people. You come out with something about a month later, someone else has the same thing for half the price. It's very, very cutthroat. And so some of what Matt was just describing, the potential things that would happen with uh, Gutenberg being easy. You look at some of the uh, page builder companies, right? So uh, Elementor has a form builder. I don't need Gravity Forms, Caldera Forms, Happy Forms, uh, this other forms. I don't need that anymore. It has a slider. I don't need Smart Slider and all that. So I can buy this one thing for 20, uh, 50 bucks and I don't need these other couple dozen things and I have the one user interface. So a lot of things have actually changed um, in the last uh, year and a half and they keep continue to change. Uh, but I think WordPress is still WordPress. So you would log into that sucker and it's like, what do I do next? For Not for us, okay? Because, you know, we're in a bubble. All of us are in a bubble. But for people that are new to making a website. So there's always going to be um, that. I, I don't see that ever changing. And I think there's always going to be uh, a business for implementers, a business for designers, especially high-end developers, or if you're in that situation, you take uh, John, John uh, shifted his services. It's now focused on actually providing a service along with that, you know, which is SEO and things along those lines. Anyways, I have some opinions too. That's great. What did you think, John? Yeah, uh, Matt's video, I think you'll notice that it's one of his most popular videos that he's put out the last year because it really struck a chord with a lot of people. And a lot of things that he said, I've, I've also noticed, uh, there's a few ways to make money in the WordPress ecosystem. You can do straight up client services. You could sell a product, uh, like a theme, a plugin or a SaaS. You can, uh, teach people and sell courses. You can, you know, sell hosting. And, Gutenberg's development is one thing, but I, I think the the diminishing buzz on WordPress is because the ecosystem is so huge. And I think in the past, the people who were in WordPress maybe seven, eight years ago, not as many people were a high-level developer in WordPress, and it was more special. And I think at this point, a lot of people know how to develop on WordPress to some degree. And I think in that way, the client services market is a little saturated at that point. And just saying we do WordPress websites is not special anymore. And you see a lot, some agencies are doing really good. You see some and mostly serving the enterprise that are doing just fine. Um, but I think a lot of people that, that were doing client services are shifting toward things like selling courses or things like that to, to kind of get more of that income back. Um, the one thing that I would be very interested in seeing, I, I do think that there's going to be a market that opens up for people selling Gutenberg blocks and things of that nature. And I think that people who are good in React, uh, they're definitely going to have 
a time where they're they're highly in demand for a few years is that becomes more part of WordPress. But I'd be interested in seeing because this this Gutenberg thing is definitely a play, and and people can deny it to themselves all they want, but Automatic is very much going to be competing with self-hosted WordPress sites, and that's going to affect hosting. It's going to affect agencies who sell that because who they're trying to compete with is Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, and and things like that, where you pay, you know, 50 bucks a month and you get the hosting and you can drag and drop. I think that's really where you're going to see an impact. And if they're moving from hundreds of millions to billions, it's going to come from those people selling, you know, one to, to, Three to five thousand dollar websites at the bottom end because people are just going to do it themselves. Yeah, before I pass it over to Sally, is that um, I just think the competitive landscape uh, has really changed for WordPress. You know, you know, you've got Squarespace, Weebly, but almost in every industry sector, look, look at the um, membership learning, um, learning management system, um, e learning. You know, you've got Learnable, you, you've got a number of VC-financed uh, um, SaaS products that are competing directly with WordPress. You know, before that, um, really WordPress, if you wanted to do a membership website and you weren't looking at Joomla or, or some other open source platform it was the natural um platform to go to that's changed quite considerably in the past three years what do you think sally i think it's fascinating the way each of us has a a glimpse of a different uh, you know audience in in some case but kind of a different part of the Part of the universe that makes up the the users of WordPress and the uh, you know the, the sorts of agencies and, and things. Uh, I don't have the kind of platform that Matt or uh, Adam does. I, I <coughs> but um, you know I was <coughs> getting about halfway through Matt's video and um, <coughs> just kind of surprised at some of the things Matt was mentioning because, yeah, I don't know whether uh, WordPress is, um, you know, considered trendy in a lot of circles. Uh, WordPress is not trendy because it's not like flavor of the month with the new developers. And uh, But, you know, there's this thing called the Gartner hype cycle. And uh, when stuff is most hyped, it usually you get a kind of a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon and making noise and not very much. But once something sort of matures and, and gets wider adoption, uh, there, there's much less hype, but you actually have a product that's more wide, you know, there are more people using it and, and so on. But, you know, I'm extremely busy this year. Uh, I, I have a lot of work and I, it may have something to do with the fact that even though WP is, is in my business name, you know, I am not uh, out there pushing WordPress. It's a technology. It's a cool thing. I am pushing, so your website isn't working for you the way it is. Let me help you figure out how to make your website really serve your business. Uh, and I've had a few people where they were specifically looking for WordPress, but mostly a case of people who, who have things they want to accomplish and they have a number of things they want to accomplish. And I think this is where WordPress is strong. If you just want to sell something and you have a few things to sell, a SaaS 
a product that does, uh, you know, or hosted service, something, something like Shopify, something like Thrivecart that will let you sell a couple products and that's all it does is going to be better because it's a, it's a very specific tool. Uh, if you just want to sell a course, you know, you can go to a place where people are looking for courses and, you know, you won't keep as much of the money, but you'll have a, the folks are, people are going to be there looking for, for things and you'll only see, you know, what you need. If you have a situation where you maybe want to sell some courses and uh, do some membership and uh, publish some events and have a blog and, you know, this and that, WordPress is a good solution for it. And by that time, uh, if you actually have a business that, that you want to spend your time running your business, you do want to hire somebody who can take care of that for you. Um, and uh, so I think that on the at the at the end of the spectrum where you have people who have more time than money, they're kind of just starting out. They're they're more on the do-it-yourselfers. Uh, end of, of things. They're, they're more of the people I think that, that Adam deals with. They're going to be like, yay, excitement. We've got, you know, page building tools. We've got these, this stuff. This is, it's easier to do it ourselves. There's all these people who were earning money from that sort of client are going to have less work because the, it's easier for those people to do it themselves. Um, and people whose business model was kind of based on uh, let's shoehorn everything into WordPress because WordPress is flavor of the month are likely to have less work because most of the people who are out there don't care that much about the platform. They have a, they have a different perspective. Um, and, uh, but that the people, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the, the 10 ups and human maids and, and crowd favorites of, of the world aren't suffering uh, because, you know, that that's not where they're, you know, their clients are not the people who are, who are trying to, you know, save a few bucks here and there. Um, because they have more time than money. They, they, they want to pay somebody who has the expertise to guarantee them that it is going to work all the time. That's why they're paying for Pagely's hosting, um, is that you know, it's, it's worth the money to them to know uh, that they have the best. So I think how the economy, you know, how these shifts affect you really depend on where you are. Uh, I agree that, uh, you know, there are going to be some, some situations in which people may decide, oh, well, if I just pay a, you know, a, a little extra money to automatic, I'm going to have everything I need. Well, then do it. If that's what you need, do it. You know, I gave a presentation at, at WordCamp Los Angeles in 2016 about, you know, whether WordPress is the best tool for the job. And it's like, look, if, if you come across a client and you know, that, you know, they want like a five-page brochure site, you know, send them over to, 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 to Wix. WordPress is probably not a good answer for them, you know, and don't, you don't have to like decide that you're going to become a, a, you know, somebody who builds Wix websites uh, if that's not what you want to do. Yeah, I think they're great points. Thank you so much, Shady. And what do you think, Walton? I think the, the, when I watched the video, I immediately got this picture in my head of, this is what's happening in the whole web community. It's not just happening in WordPress. Um, if you go to major events like an event apart, for instance, you'll see that the shift in over the past couple of years from in the audience has gone from freelancers to in-house developers. The last one I went to, they asked the question, you know, how many of you are freelance? And I think there were like five people out of what a thousand 
that were that were um, freelance. And it's funny because like in that context, that event is designed for freelancers. So the fact that their entire audience is now in-house says a lot. If you look at um, a lot of the major players in the web industry that used to be, you know, the people that launched all the new products and wrote all the best articles and everything, they've all been eaten by companies, right? Like all these huge things that we used to rely on for information don't exist anymore. And all these voices that used to be in the web community have simply vanished because they're working the entire company or they were bought by, you know, Amazon or Spotify or someone else and they're just in-house. And I think that's just what's happening because the platform is maturing. Our whole the web is no longer this Wild West playground where everyone can just come in and do whatever. It's become this very complicated system where you need to know what you're doing. And as a result, the companies that hire developers have realized we need to actually have someone in-house to do this stuff. We can no longer just have some random person in the company manage our website, or we can't keep outsourcing this to some other company and then have them screw us over or produce crappy solutions that don't work for us or try to sell us some cookie cutter thing. At the same time, um, I have seen exactly what Matt's talking about in terms of this. Um, uh, the talk of WordPress seems to have gone away. I also think that is the maturing of the overall uh, user community. Um, and I've seen this in other places too. I was doing this, I had this conversation with my wife the other day. Um, we were here in Vancouver. We had this huge blogging community that was very, very famous. Like there were people in Vancouver who were internationally famous for blogging before blogging really was this big thing, right? And we had a blogger meetup where you could go to the blogger meetup and you'd see like 10, 15 people that you knew who they were based on their blogs. And you would have people travel from other countries to come to this event called Northern Voice, which was like the preeminent blogging conference. And it just died in 2012. The conference just went away and it's never been resurrected. And what I noticed was almost every single person who was considered the most prominent bloggers at the time are now no longer blogging. They're just doing other things. They're running their own companies. They're, you know, they're professional photographers or writers or whatever it is that they started up as bloggers. So, and you can see this in the WordPress community too. A lot of the main contributors to WordPress have moved on to other platforms or have just dropped out of the conversation, have dropped out of core contribution, have dropped out of everything. And we have this whole new generation of people who come in with other expectations. And I think this has to do with that upwards rise of WordPress. We are now at what, 31%? And everyone is saying we're going to get to 50. The difficulty level of climbing from 31% to 50 is going to be significantly higher than going from zero to 31% because we're already saturating the entire market that we have access to. Um, and any, any gains that we're going to have, uh, that we're going to chase now will be gains that come at the, at the behest of some other company. Like that some other platform has to now fail miserably for WordPress to take over that space. And Gutenberg is probably an attempt at solving that problem. But I think we need to accept that it's quite possible we need to fight to retain the 30% rather than try to gain more space. Um, I th- personally, I think it's irresponsible to try to make it to 50 because we shouldn't be 50% of the web. That would be, that's a monopoly. That's not healthy in any way. Um, but it, yeah, the, I agree with most of what Matt's saying simply because this is something that's happening in all of the web and all the internet, just not not just us. And I think 
we need to just accept this and then move forward with it and try to figure out how we keep the people that are already in WordPress, not in just that they use it, but that they contribute back to it and help the platform grow and become better instead of trying to always chase the next user. Because if we're chasing the next user, then the existing users are going to drop off on the back and move elsewhere. And that would be quite unfortunate because they are the ones that made this happen to begin with. Oh, thank you so much, panel. Um, I'm going to go for our break. But before I go for my break, um, I want to talk about a new sponsor for WP Tonic. And I'm excited that they have decided to become a sponsor of the show. And that's WP Fusion. Um, What is WP Fusion? It's freaking amazing, actually. It it really helps you with automization. It It really puts your kind of email or, or marketing automation systems like ActiveCampaign, ConvertKit, MailLite, or Agile CRM, and it will communicate with these platforms and enable you as a developer or as a, a website owner to do the most amazing things if you've um, got a membership site or e-commerce site. It really has a drag and drop interface and you can set up all certain triggers that will send um, email or text messages to specific um, people in your lists in these systems. It really is quite amazing. And I've got some really good news. Um, This is not the cheapest product, but we have an exclusive offer that you can only get um, through WP Tonic. If you go to WP Fusion and you put in this coupon code, WP Tonic, or in upper cases, you will get 25% off. And that's only offered through this show. So if that's interesting, I would suggest that you go to WP Fusion and have a look at the product. Um, There will be banners and the token code in the show notes of this episode. And I would suggest that you go and have a look at it and buy it. I have. So we're going to go for our break, folks, and we'll be back next week. (laughs) In a little while, sorry. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up-to-date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back, not next week. <laughs> God. Uh, um, on to the next story. On to the next story. A Freudian slip there. Um, Spark Tero raises a very unusual round of funding and we're open sourcing our documents. Well, this is a company um, started by somebody that I have enormous um, respect for, came on the show as well. That's Rand Fishkin, a former CEO of Moz. And he started this company um, and he's funded it in a slightly different way. And I thought it was an interesting article. What did you think, Morton? 
I didn't read it, so I have no opinion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I also think the whole funding thing is just like, okay, you guys go do the funding thing. I'll do other stuff. So I have no meaningful input. All here. right, on to the next one. What you, is that your attitude, Matt? No, I I read it when it first uh, when he first published it, uh, and I and I really enjoyed it because. And whenever somebody is super transparent about this whole process, it's great. Um, I love how transparent he was to even showing some of the clippings of the emails and he shared some lessons about how he pitched it to people. Um, And I found it interesting towards the end where he talks about, you know, well, why not bootstrap? Uh, Why not keep this going and just do it? You know, he said, like, I could just do consulting and and do whatever sort of everybody else does bootstrapping. You're living two lives. Um, And uh, it was interesting for him to just come out and say, look, we didn't, we just didn't want to take that time. Like, we know we can get money. Uh, We're going to do it in this kind of open and honest way. We're only going to take as much as we need, quote unquote. Um, But uh, I thought it was great. Um, The, um, I played with the product a little bit like that, the, the free like Twitter profile analyzer. Um, it still sort of does like vanity metric things for me anyway. It's, I don't know how powerful of a tool it is. It's like how, how influential a Twitter account is, but it's still based off of like how many followers you have, you know, times, how many retweets you get. And it still doesn't feel like it's something of magic, <laughs> I guess I should say, but um I am happy for him. I, I do have a lot of respect for him. You know, sort of one of the first internet entrepreneurs I ever, I have really followed from way back in the day. So uh, I enjoyed the article and I, th- I think the information in there is, is great. Even if you're out there looking to raise $10,000 uh, for your, your seed product or seed yeah. funding for your product. I thought it was very linked. The reason why I put the story in, it was also very linked to one of your other videos when you were talking about the recent sale of um, Studio Press. And when you were saying, you know, when you were saying in that video, you know, get from zero to a million is hard enough, but then a million to 10 million, you need loads of cash. And I think that's what he was saying um, in in his post is that I, and he said, they want to build a really serious business. He wants this to be really successful, but he didn't want, you know, it's not going to be a unicorn. It's not going to be a billion dollar company. So he doesn't want to go down the traditional VC route because mm-hmm. that's not what he wants to build. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was actually going to bring that up. The um, sort of like what Morton was saying before about WordPress going from, you know, 30% to 50%, like you would think that, okay, we're already 30%. We're, we're over halfway there. It should be easy. Um, I think it's more difficult, like I said, in that studio press uh, video, when you're at, you know, that five to, to $6 million range, it sounds great from the outside. People are like, wow, you're making that much money selling WordPress themes. Yeah. But you also have a staff of whatever they had, maybe 30 people on that team, like support developers, designers, all that stuff. It's a lot of payroll, Never mind marketing and sponsorship and keeping everything going. Uh, it, it adds up really quick. Uh, and, I think he's right. Like, I, th- I think if you are going to compete, how, how long do you want to wait? It's, it's that organic route. You can wait, but he's got at least the experience uh, and the time is right for getting money. I think a lot of people have money right now, uh, investors anyway, to, to throw at these kinds of things. Um, and I'd also, you know, if people are interested in sort of the, the VC and the seed stuff, seed investing, angel investing, um, 
Jason Calacanis is opening up funding, seed funding for his his startup, uh, Inside.com, which is uh, a news organization. It's just news articles delivered through uh, through email, uh, through email newsletters. Um, you know, and, and his recent pitch for people to invest is is eye opening. Like this article is a lot of great nuggets in there and how he presents the, the business and the run rate and and he has a pitch deck in there. So if you're into that kind of thing and you want to get some insights, that's another good one to look at. What did you do? It's also interesting. I don't want anyone to come here and think that they're going to have this new uh, way of raising money. I mean, number one, if you look at the list of people, if you look at how much he raised and then you look at the list of the names uh, of them, this is like lunch money to these people. Yeah. Uh, number one, <laughs> you look at the names and number two, <laughs> these people did it because of the name Rand. They didn't do it if it was Adam, if it was anyone here, or you listening right now, sorry not to offend you. You would you, you immediate delete on that email. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's this joker? Uh, so, I mean, that's just the, the reality of it. Uh, but we all do have our own circles. Uh, but like, just uh, give, uh, I'll, I'll finish this up. He raised $1.3 million from, I think there's like 30 people. This is lunch money to these guys. You know what I mean? Heck, I could have afforded to, to be one of these guys. I didn't get the email. Anyways. Oh, but no, it was a good point. Obviously, um, you know, yeah, you're totally correct, Adam. They're investing. Hey, it's not for those people. It's like you say, it's loose change almost. Um, secondly, they're, they invested because it's Rand. You know, somebody else that didn't have a track record, you would have to bootstrap it to a higher level. But what I'm saying is it's linked to what Matt was saying in his studio press. Yes, you would have to prove the concepts to a much higher level through actual sales. But if you wanted to move that company above a million in what Matt pointed out, you then probably would have to get get investment if you wanted to accelerate the process and what i'm saying why i put that article is that, that i think that is achievable adam but no you're you're totally correct at that i was just saying that we, we have our circles uh, as well you know what i mean so i know people i could email everybody knows people that have money that would be interested in something i just thought it was pretty hilarious though you know what i mean when i looked through i mean you got the co-founder of buffer in here i mean you've got uh you know the co-founder of drip and micro i mean these guys is pocket change to them you know what i mean it's like oh let me just like Rand go here and give him his $50,000. You know what I mean? It's like not a big deal to these guys. Yeah. But um, I spoke you, to, you, you don't know, pick poor people to be your angel investor. No, that's true. What did you think of it in general, Sally? Um, I'm always happy to see, uh, you know, stories about companies that are not pursuing the kind of insane dream that is uh, the, the, the wild deluded fantasy of, of most um, uh, 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 funding in Silicon Valley, the, the, the kind of, you know, fundraising that, that venture capitalists do because it's like, yeah, you know, and we, we are going to put money in uh, because what we want is stupendous growth and, you know, to take over the market within a few years and make, you know, billions of dollars. And that's just not going to happen for most companies. And that probably isn't where most companies should go. 
And we've heard, you know, we've heard from Pagely about the, you know, choice to and advantages of, of bootstrapping. And that's not for everybody. But I have seen cases, you know, outside of, of, of tech also where a company said, well, okay, we've made it this far with, you know, the money our founders invested into us plus just our natural growth and we have high sales. But we're reaching a point where we, we, we are growing fast and to support that we need to raise some money and we need to make some choices about how we're doing it. And, and there's a company I'm thinking of where what they said is, well, we're a private company. We want to stay private, but we're going to sell some more stock. We're looking to raise this much money. They've gotten about 600 million so far out of, out of what they want. You know, people who they believe, people who have something to invest believe that this is a good enough chance that they're going to get a solid return, but who are not trying to, to find this like, you know, one in a million super blockbuster, whatever, which just seems a lot more reasonable to me because, uh, uh, you know, that there are not going to be that many super blockbusters, but there can be a number of very successful companies that have a large market that is still not worldwide domination. Yeah, I think, and also, I just think he's a great guy. Guy, he's. Um, we had a couple of Zoom conversations. He's an extremely busy individual, but he agreed to have a couple of conversations with me, and I just got a feeling he's just a great guy. I also like to say that I've been. I had some really good news this week. Um, Z Band, the CEO of Concatchily, has agreed to become a mentor and uh, advisor for Mailwright, which um, I've. Um, I'm very pleased about, and uh, I'm moving that product forward. Uh, um, I would say that most, just one last bit about this. Uh, I'm a mentor in a, in a, an accelerator program in my area where all of these startups come through and it's like this 90 day acceleration of getting them to try to get them to market. And most investors are going to invest in the individual or the team versus, you know, the product, which is probably why it's so easy for, for Rand to go, out and get you know new capital for this this idea and the, the the guy that I'm mentoring now is trying to launch this app and when he presents the product this app that he's building there is like it's in the fitness industry he's a very fit individual but when he talks about it he is not fired up like he is not saying like this is the best you know, fill in the blank app for this fitness is he English no he's not no he's <laughs> Uh, but, he's, but he's like very monotone about it. But when he talks about all the is stuff he's doing... He, is he Scandinavian then? No. <laughs> uh, when, he, when he talks about the technology, he is like fired up. Like he loves to talk about what he's doing with the Amazon Web Services and how he's building the app and like all of the technologies. And I said to him the other day, like, do you, do you, really, are you, do you really care about this product that you're building? And he, and he got offended because he was like, well... Well, yeah, because I've had people sign up and I've, I've done like a beta and people have signed up. I said, yeah, but would you get in front? Because part of this program is he gets in front of judges and he, they can win up to, to $15,000 of, of money in this program. When you get up in front of these potential investors or judges, like you have to show some kind of emotion. Like you're, you're super excited to solve this problem and this is your product. It's the best thing on earth. But you don't feel that. I, I don't feel that when you talk about it. And now he's coming around. He's like, you know what? I, I think I am pivoting to something else about more of the technology side because he realized that he really isn't as excited about the product. So I think a lot of people are going to give money to the, the great founder or team uh, versus the product idea. All right. I'm going to move on to the next story. 
Um, tech journalist chairman, mum founder, Sally Lucy on the power of being polarizing. Who wants to start off? What about Morton? What do you think of that one, Morton? Did you read that one? I did. Uh, I think, I mean, the, there is a tendency in our current discourse to, uh, on the one hand, create polarizing commentary specifically targeted only at the people who agree with you and then ignoring anyone who disagrees with you. And on the other hand, um, deliberately being controversial just for the sake of being controversial to get attention. Um, I think what she's talking about is how you can't, like, doing those things is not a good idea. But at the same time, if you try to speak to everyone and reduce your opinions and try to, you know, boil, uh, uh, what do you call it, soften up the message to make it appealing to everyone, you're actually hampering progress because you're not allowing people a space where they can properly discuss things. Uh, maybe the biggest problem that we have because of the internet is it's too easy for people to attack the person over the content of the conversation. So there are a lot of conversations we cannot have on the internet simply because if you voice an opinion, you are immediately then, that opinion is then rejigged into fitting some sort of archetype that the person you are talking to would like to impose on you. And then from there, they'll make judgments on you, not based on who you are or what you say, but based on this archetype they're imagining you fit into, you know? Um, so I, I, I agree that this concept of actually being controversial, if the, con- the controversy you're creating is your opinion, is important. And having these frank discussions is important. But we can only do that in a space where everyone agrees to some basic terms. Like, for instance, be uh, not civil, but be accurate in your conversations. Do converse around the topic rather than around the person saying something. Don't pass moral judgment on to someone and saying like, well, by saying that you are de facto evil every single time there's a conversation that comes up. So, yeah, that's my initial. But this is like the world we, we live in. That's like never going to happen. You know, if anyone's willing or daring to say their opinion, there's 100% going to be someone that doesn't agree with your opinion. And then, bam, trolls come right on in. I'm sure, um, I'm sure Matt, you made that video. I didn't read the comments, but I'm sure there's people that might have been not so nice in there. It's whenever you decide, you know, uh, I've got people that love what I do and I got people that absolutely despise and hate what I do. I don't care. Uh, but whenever anyone expresses their opinion about anything, he, he, the, here come the trolls. Here come the trolls. It's impossible. Adam, yeah, can I when, just interrupt? Hold on a second. When someone comes to you and they start being uh, aggressive and trolly, what do you do? I immediately, you okay, let me go back. The old Adam... <laughs> used to fight back. You hit me, I'm going to hit you back 10 times harder. The new Adam just clicks, you know, hide all comments on this channel and then moves on to the next thing because if I let it simmer, it will affect me that day and I won't be able to get done what I need to get done. And actually, not many people know this, 
I have actually outsourced uh, moderation of my comments to my wife. So my wife can log in and she can see the things. And sometimes she wants to go to bed, uh, but she'll, you know, hide it so I don't have to see because uh, you, you, it's, it's, uh, we're still human. You know what I mean? It's hard to not let the negativity in. So that's what I do. Okay. So the reason I asked is, there are two fallacies that float around in the web community around this discourse thing. One is don't feed the trolls, which is a really stupid approach. Sorry. The other one is ignore the comments, which is equally stupid because you're blocking the discourse. What I've found personally, and I can only talk from my personal experience and those that I've coached into doing this is when people come into a conversation and they're being ridiculous and trolly, the way to stop them from continuing is actually to respond to them in a completely rational way. So when they say, you know, oh, you're stupid because your eyebrows are crooked or whatever, if you just go, <laughs> can we, can, you know, then you just respond by saying, so this conversation is about da 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 da. Here are my views. How do you respond to that specifically? And then anytime they come back and troll, you just keep doing that. And I know you're shaking your head, but if you go to my Twitter feed and you look at the stuff I'm posting, right? And you notice how no one is attacking me for it. It's because when people choose to attack me for it, other followers on my Twitter feed step in and say, hey, there's no point arguing with this guy over this because he'll just come back at you with the factual conversation. Yeah, but you're European. You like, it, you like me. You like a good argument. It, it's a it's a thing that we have to agree on, that we have to say, you know, we can let the trolls win, which is, you know, either not feeding them, which just makes the machine run on its own, or to block them, which just makes the machine run on its own. Or we can just elevate the conversation, saying, like, you come in with garbage, I'm going to return to you with factual material and have, like, force you to have this conversation properly, right? <laughs> I, can, I will respond only to the intent of what you said, not the actual wording you said and make sure that this conversation is not fun for you. Yeah, I understand the idealism in that, but the real world, in my experience, how that happens is comment comes in, I'm obsessed about it for like 20 minutes. I spend 20 minutes writing a response. Now I've wasted 40 minutes. But that's because and then you're obsessed about it. And for me, it's about efficiency, right? I got other things to do this day. I don't want to spend the time being obsessed about something. I want to move on to the next thing. Can I interrupt slightly? Because um, I just want to put this to the panel in specific. Um, I chose this story and I read it. And both you and Moulton, um, your insight. I got really hot under the collar as I was reading this article, not for the, its main purpose. I despise this woman, you know, everything she stands for. You know, um, she goes to this lobby thing, this inner group, and it's the thing about WordPress. There's certain individuals that run... Um, inner circles, you go off, fly off to some foreign country and they have this this kind of secret meeting where they're building influence. I despise these fuckers. I really do despise them. And then You're she, not alone. I really despise them. Um, this kind of, um, you know, um, Freemasonry type of influence that they try and build, uh, which goes against every democratic um, equality principle at the core of my heart. 
Um, and then she talks, then she sit, then they, they have this women only co-center. For fuck's sake, grow up. You're a grown woman. I don't think Sally needs a co-working space just for fucking women. Oh, you're so, just wrong, dude. You need to back that shit. Hang on here. I don't personally need it this moment. I absolutely believe in the existence of a lot of women-only things because women need that. Now, I did not get, I did not oh, like for God's sake, grow up, women. You're a woman. For no, 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 no. You're dead wrong. Like you're wrong. Yeah, honey, you you have not been the you know one of a handful of women in a room where everyone assumes that because you're female, your job is to get the coffee. What's that? You should tell them they need to grow up. Fundamentally, <laughs> I'm uh, say, fundamentally they do. And, and does anyone want to dig him out of this hole? He dug. No, not really. However, yes. I mean, I think on the one hand, the point that you will never get anywhere if you are afraid to offend people by saying what you believe in, which is different from you go out deliberately provoking people because that's a kind of clickbait thing. You know, if if if, if you try to make yourself bland in order not to offend people, you'll be so bland that you also don't have any fans and you don't get anywhere. And I think that, I, I mean, I despise all the kind of, you know, d- d- you know, secret cabalistic uh, 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 kinds of, of, of things too. I think she's kind of making the point that this is the reality of how shit gets done. And if you want to achieve certain things in certain spaces, that's kind of how it goes. Although there are some of those societies, you know, from which uh, to which you will never be admitted, no, no matter what you do, uh, if if you you know you weren't part of them to begin with. Um, but uh, I think absolutely that uh, you know groups that have experienced discrimination so to- places to for for support. So it's like, well, I don't like her. She, I I don't like everything she does. Uh, She makes some valid points and she may be contributing something worthwhile in spite of not being the nicest person you've met. So to fight exclusion, the way to fight exclusion and to be given a fair shot, which is all that anybody should ask for, you know, to be given opportunity and a fair shot, the way to really fight that is to do exactly what you, in that article, you complain about. That is the way, I don't think so. Hey, I'm going to throw this out there. Like a few years ago here in Sacramento, there was a uh, group of women that got together and they were uh, trying to fund this uh, venture project called, at the time it was called My Swirl. I don't think it's active anymore, but there was, uh, there was a load of women that were trying to build basically like a new social network. Tracy Seville, uh, Tina Reynolds, some other people whose names are escaping me. They're people you can follow uh, in my timeline. But, um, you know, if let's face reality. Tech funding is mostly white dudes, white bros, like funding other like white tech bros. And if you're black, if you're Asian, if you're a woman – if you're Hispanic or anything, your chances of getting funding are way, way lower. So I think it makes sense for, you know, women to support each other in tech because I'm, like Sally said, it's automatically assumed you're there to like go, you know, fetch the coffee or something. 
you know, and you even see it like now in these big tech companies, like, you know, in Uber and stuff like that, where well, yeah, hello, <laughs> charges of sexism. I mean, it's rampant. So yeah, women, uh, minorities, anybody like that pool together because, you know, you might have some allies, but you're going to get a lot farther if you like watch each other's backs. And I'm totally down for that. Hey, I want to hear what Matt has to say on this before I tear <laughs> Jonathan down by the seat. I'll make it quick so you can get on. You can get on with it. I mean, I just know of her from, you know, I think it was TechCrunch days and then Pando. I mean, she's oh, I used to enjoy some of the stuff she wrote, but then when she went on her own, she really did get that with that sensationalism all the time. And it became like, she was writing soap opera stuff. Uh, <laughs> not, you know, so like, like maybe gossip stuff is a better word, like gossip stuff about other venture capital and, and other people out there, which I get like, she's trying to expose some of it, but then it just became like, okay, now you're just doing this clickbaity stuff. Uh, that's my only really take uh, on her. In fact, I didn't even know she was launching something new until, I read this article. So that's, this is kind of an example of what I was talking about. We can either discuss the topic at, on hand or we can discuss the person. Now, leaving alone the completely uninformed bullshit from Jonathan around <laughs> women and minorities and how that shit works, which I will have to educate him on later. Yes, well, you know, it's, it's hard to see the forest when you're a tree. Exactly. Like this is not you. You are. Yeah, you need to just abandon that entire way of thinking. But the the interesting thing here is this discourse we're having in the web and the internet community right now around what, how do we have conversations about complicated issues without those conversations becoming more about the person having the conversation than the actual topic? And how do we have conversations where we can actually discuss things? without everything just exploding into these huge polarizing controversies where we can't have conversations at all. I mean, how do we create a forum where you can come in and discuss things on a factual basis and, and, and walk away friends? That's something we used to be able to do. I mean, when you go to countries outside the United States and Canada, you will find politicians who are married to other politicians who are on the opposing side, right? That's unheard of in, in uh, where we are right now. Um, I have a friend who's, uh, uh, um, what is it? A Lutheran minister who's married to an atheist and they have children, right? This, these concepts seem really foreign to people. This is how it used to be. This, you can actually have these types of relationships with people and have proper, frank discussions about issues without it becoming extremely complicated to have them. But it requires sticking on topic not talking about the people, but talking about the issues, unless the issue is a person. And then agreeing to terms in, on how to have these conversations so that we don't get stuck in this endless, just throwing crap at each other all the time. Morton is so much more adult than the rest yeah. of us. Yeah, but what, what, you know, you're going to have a go at me. What's that got anything to do with what I had to say? No, I, I am having a go at you because you're views are misinformed and you're spewing a bunch of crap that isn't actually... I don't think my views are I mean, Okay, do you want me to run this down for you're you? You're a Canadian snowflake. No, 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 no. Like here, here, here. <laughs> I'll run it down for you. 
it's Friday the 13th. Speaking, women are paid less than men for the same jobs. This is proven. This is a <sighs> fact. Statistically speaking, men who go in to seek funding for for something is like 80% more likely to get funding than women. Who I, totally agree. I totally agree with you. Uh, totally uh, unfair. If you are a woman and you go to a gym and there's a man there, there's a high likelihood that you will feel uncomfortable simply because of the male presence. Oh, because that person, no, I'm not, I'm telling you that the people that you are talking about have other experiences than you. And you are, you are projecting your experience onto them thinking that you know how they feel. Instead of thinking, no, exactly. I'm a man, I don't have a problem with this. Therefore, I think it's stupid. You should be thinking, Maybe I should listen to these people and see why they think it's necessary to have this. And if they tell me this allows them to progress, then they should be allowed to do this. We ran a workshop here in Vancouver, which was a women speaking WordPress workshop to see if we could get women to speak at our conferences. Out of that workshop came 15 new speakers that we were not aware of. The reason why they hadn't submitted before was simply because they were so worried about going into a space oh, with a bunch of people who were criticizing. Know I know you disagree with this. I'm just giving you actual facts here. You can't, like, you're coming at this from an uninformed angle. You need to inform yourself and actually talk to people about why these issues exist. Go back and do research on things that were written in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s on this. This is well documented. This is not controversial at all. This is just established factual truth. And you're when, my, when my brother was but in no, college, you, you're, can I just say something? I'm not disputing everything you just pointed out. I'm disputing why they feel that way. I suppose, uh, um, George, I've been reading too much Jordan Peterson for my own. Oh. Okay, that's your mistake right there. <laughs> no, I totally agree with that. Right, um, 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 hello, could I actually like speak to yes. this, being the only female in Do this it. group? Um, right. You know, when my brother was in college, which was, he started college while I was still in college myself, but, you know, he, he, he was dating somebody, he mentioned in, in a letter to me, and, and he, he asked her, you know, well, so she was doing women's studies, and, and he asked her, well, why don't they have men's studies? And she said, they do. It's called history. Uh, and I knew a lot of, I was very close to a lot of people in the black community. Almost all of them, I mean, I was at an Ivy League university, right? Almost all of them had grown up in mostly white communities never really had an opportunity to like um, identify with their history as African-Americans. Uh, and while they were at school, they joined, you know, traditionally black sororities and fraternities for a, a certain kind of support. Doesn't mean that they decided they were never going to move in environments where they, they were mixed. It was the idea that you want to have a place where you feel safe in expressing yourself and being who you are so that you can recharge in order to deal with that. And I'm sure everybody needs that experience. I mean, you know, whether, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it may not be, you know, politically acceptable to, to have your gentleman's club anymore, even though, you know, that, that was always kind of there, right? There were men only uh, places always uh, where, you know, the men went and did the business and the women were not allowed through the door. Um, you know, and on the golf course and all of these places from, from which women were ex excluded, there is less of that exclusion, but it's still tough. It's still, you know, being female and getting in a dispute with somebody online or off, if that, you know, you have to wonder, is that person going to assault me? 
uh, is that person going to, you know, provoke other people to assault me? I mean, for, for, for God's sake, um, Kathy, why can't I remember her name, uh, got death threats in the early 2000s and ended up having to like leave the country basically because she spoke in public about how we should make software that does not make the user think I suck. Uh, and, you know, there are huge personal attacks leveraged against women for saying anything, um, you know. So, yeah, you do need some spaces to be in and to be encouraged in. Now, I see a lot of women in the WordPress community. I see a lot of women in my meetup. I see a lot of women speaking in my meetup. And I haven't, like, gone out of my way specifically to encourage women. But I think part of it is just the fact that I'm a woman leading the meetup. And they see me speaking. And so they feel a little more like maybe they can get up and lead a meetup. Uh, and, you know, there is still a, a metric shed load of, of work to be done. And I have always been fairly comfortable operating in mostly male environments. And if somebody, you know, thinks I'm supposed to be the secretary, it's like, oh, well, you're stupid. Uh, but not everybody feels like that. And, and, you know, if you have actually been in an, an environment where you were brutally harassed, uh, physically assaulted, et cetera, it's going to be a whole lot harder for you and, and you will need some extra support. And if a person needs extra support because, you know, they're an introvert and, well, they can go out and do these networking things, but then they really need a lot of recharge time alone in their room with their computer, say, oh, that that's just stupid. You should be able to be around people all the time. Hmm. I, I I see your point totally, Sally, and you made very good points. The only the only comment, and I'm going to end this conversation. I'll see. I know it's Adam never joined in. He was too wise. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, um, is that I do find it difficult to accept to fight exclusion. The way you deal with exclusion is to make a female group, and you exclude males. I just find it's a bit like racism, you know. To fight racism, the way you fight it is to become a racist group yourself. Uh, um, I just don't. I just do not follow it myself. But you know, that's my that's my problem, isn't it? Uh, um, I think we've had a great discussion. It's been. I think we've covered some fantastic stuff. Uh, Matt, uh, um, how can people find more about you and what you're up to, Matt? Well, if this episode goes up on the internet. <laughs> You can find me at wpcrafter.com. <laughs> I am not, not who you say I am right here. Mariport.com um, and pagely.com. Oh, just Sally, how can people find out more about you? You can find me at WPFangirl.com. I am at Sally Getch on Twitter and, and most other places. Um, if, if you can spell my name, you can find me. I am unique on the internet. And Adam, how can people find out more about you? Well, you can uh, uh, check me out on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash WPCrafter. Leave a comment, but be nice. Uh, let's not test uh, Morton's uh, logic uh, with everything. Because If you're not, I'm just going to delete you. <laughs> well, it won't be you. It'll be Adam's wife, you know. Hi. Morton, how can people find out more about you? Go to YouTube and search for 
Empathy and Acceptance in Design and Community, a talk I did at WordCamp Europe in 2016 that covers this exact topic and explains why I care about this stuff. Also, I do courses at uh, LinkedIn Learning, where you can find me, uh, or you can go and find me on Twitter. I am Morten, because that's my name. Not the M-O-R-T-E-N, that's a Norwegian journalist, M-O-R-1-0 version, which is me. Oh, Although sending messages to the Norwegian journalists is a lot of fun, too. Yeah, it was possibly in some ways, but there we go. Um, John, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at my website, which is LockdownSEO.com. You can also find me on my YouTube channel. You can search either John J. Locke, Lockdown Design, Lockdown SEO. I should pop up and definitely come check out the videos. Leave a comment or two. That's great. And if yeah. you want to find out about me, go to WP Tonic. You can leave all the comments you want. Uh, well, I will personally reply to them. And I adopt the Moulton mythology. <laughs> uh, um, we'll see you next week where we have a great, where we're going to be discussing WordPress, the internet in general, and just having a really fantastic, insightful discussion. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.